All right, we're going to dismiss our junior church to their junior church hour at this time. And so, young people, why don't you stand this morning and everybody can see you as we pray for you, know who you are. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for these young people. Lord, bless them as they go to their junior church hour. We pray, Lord, that the word of God would strike their hearts today, Lord, that it would do a work in them that can never be taken away. Be with our workers, our teachers, fill them with thy spirit and use them to minister to them. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, young people, you are dismissed. Quietly, please. Mark chapter 9 this morning. Mark chapter 9. If you'll turn there. Thank you, Austin. Thank you. All right. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and we've been working our way through the book of Mark and sometimes using the parallel passages to study out the different stories of Mark chapter 9, or the story of the book of Mark. And uh, for the last two weeks, I've been wanting to preach on the transfiguration that we find in the first part, but then the Lord speaks to my heart when I'm reading and studying and, and gives me something different. And so that happened again this morning. And uh, Mark chapter 9 this morning, the message is just simply titled, Anything. Anything. And that'll become clear in a few moments what I'm speaking of. Mark chapter 9, anything. You know, our theme for this year is speak Jesus. And I believe that to be more than just a verbal attestation of our faith in Christ, but what do our lives profess? And in order to know how we can better speak Jesus or profess him with our lives, we need to know who he is and study his life, and, and because the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. And so if we're going to be more like Jesus, we ought to know what he is all about. And so we've been just studying through the book of Mark and learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ and looking at the synoptic gospels at, at, in our efforts to better understand how Jesus acted and behaved in certain situations, and hopefully that'll begin to transform our lives that we might act in a similar fashion. In Mark chapter 9, we read of a, a story in verse 14 of a demonic boy, a boy that was possessed by a demon. The Bible says a dumb spirit, meaning it took away his ability to talk. The Bible says in verse 14, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them and straightway all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed and running to him saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Notice the Bible says that this spirit would take this young man different places, and as he took him, he would foam at the mouth, and the Bible says it tore upon him. But in this instance, the Bible says when he came into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, it tore him again, but he also fell on the ground. It's interesting how demons are even subject to the name of Christ. And though it was tearing on the boy, it seems like he had to fall prostrate at the feet of Jesus as he is subject unto him. And the Bible says in verse 23, or verse 22, and oft times it hath, 
So I'm sorry, verse 21. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord... I believe. Help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we do pray (coughs) that you'd help us and strengthen us with it. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray, and we ask that you would move in our midst. And Lord, that little verse that I'm tripping over this morning and then as we open up the scriptures I pray that it would burden our hearts and become more apparent as to the topic of this message so Lord speak to us we pray we surrender to you and I ask for your filling well thank you in Jesus name amen I feel like before we just start the message I should give you a quick update of course if you've not heard uh, many of you I'm sure have that uh, brother Calvin wasn't feeling very well on Monday and went home and through the night he got worse and on Tuesday morning was in the emergency room with some severe pain and uh, he said I I think I just have food poisoning but I'm going to get my appendix checked and sure enough that's what it was and so by uh, early afternoon the pain became so severe they took him in on a kind of an emergency surgery and removed his appendix and so he is doing well now and if you continue to pray for him he's sore as you can imagine, but uh, he is recovering. He's gone up to Buckhorn, and so he says, I can't do anything. I just got to sit in a lawn chair and just watch everybody have fun, but he's relaxing up there. If you look around and see a lot of people away, about 40 people every year go up to Buckhorn on this weekend, and uh, they have, uh, Kelvin sent me a picture this morning of their church service already, and uh, enjoying their time of fellowship up there, but be in prayer uh, for safety for them, and, uh, but don't be too concerned if you see somebody missing. They're on vacation, not sick today, all right? Well, let's Let's look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 this morning. And in verse 14, we find an incredible story, don't we? A demon-possessed boy. I think it's interesting to note that the father was asked the question, how long has he been in this condition? And the father says, since a child. It seems like it, he's already a child, he's just a boy, and so for all the years that the father can look back into his memory, that's all he remembers is his son being torn by this devil. The Bible says there were times where he'd throw him into the water and try to drown him or try to hurt him in some other way, and, and so he was trying to end his life. And, and by the way, the Bible says the devil is a murderer. Let's just be plain about that. There's, there's no dabbling with Satan. His end game is always to destroy life and the very image of God. And so he will not just play with you or toy with you, he seeks to destroy you. I I can't imagine the anguish and the pain of this father as he's watching his son go through all of these trials and and, and the struggle of life. And and by the way, we, we read in the Bible that God is no respecter of persons. Well, either is Satan. For him to be so cowardly as to pick on a child. 
to seek to destroy his life. I think we see that all through our society again today, don't we? Our children are under attack. And let's, let's be very plain about this. We understand Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Satan is behind these attacks and using people all across our globe to uh, attack and destroy our children. I will make no apology for preaching against that sin or standing against that. And, and we, we need to understand as a church family and a body of faith that we must have a balance of, listen, we should never call out sin without offering them a savior. Never call out sin without offering them a savior. Because here's the very truth of it all. I can get up on a, on a podium at downtown Simcoe today and I can rant and rave about the sinful condition of our society all I want and it won't, will not change a person's mind one iota. But the saving power of Jesus Christ through his precious blood can change a heart and a life in an instant. We must preach Jesus. We must never lose sight of that. And as I'm reading this passage of scripture this morning in the early hours, I, I stumbled across this one verse, and I'll bring it to your attention in a moment, but it began to burn my heart about this message, and I jotted some things down quickly. I just want to outline it very quickly, and we'll bring some points out that I believe would help us this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, what he acknowledged. When I say he in this context, I'm talking about the Father, what did the father of this little boy acknowledge to the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you look here, verse 22 with me, the Bible says, and oft times he, it is cast, it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I'd like you to highlight that little phrase of scripture that we see in there this morning. When the, when the man says to the Lord Jesus Christ, at times it hath cast him into the water and it has cast him into the fire. But if thou canst do anything. I want you to notice this morning that this is an acknowledgement of Christ's power. There's no question mark included in the scripture. This is not a question, but rather it is a, a declaration that he is acknowledging the very power of Christ. He is saying it in such a way, if thou canst do anything, here's what I need. You have the power to do something about this, Lord. And so because I believe that, let me lay out my concerns and my need for help before you. If the house canst do anything. We see that he's acknowledging to the Lord, first of all, the weakness of the disciples. Back in verse 17, one of the multitude, this man answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. I, I imagine the disciples are kind of upset about this man coming forward, maybe. They had tried to cast out this demon. They had prayed over this man and spoke to this demon, and they tried to help this child in some way. And when they had failed, now the man was going to go to Jesus, and perhaps those disciples were a little sheepish. Perhaps they felt empowered and emboldened that they could do something to help, but they failed miserably. And now this man was going to tattle on them, for lack of a better word. I don't think that was his motive at all to, to be harmful to the disciples or to hurt their ego or to embarrass them in any way. He simply sought help for his son. 
And so he makes an acknowledgement to the Lord about the weakness of the disciples, but he also acknowledges the power of the Savior. He came searching and found the disciples to be lacking, but the Savior was there to meet his needs. But I want you to notice the next thing. We see, first of all, what he acknowledged, but we see, secondly, what he asked. What did he ask? In verse 22, the Bible says, And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, look what he says, have compassion on us and help us. I think if I had the Lord's ear like this, I might have a laundry list of things I'd like to have done. Lord, I need this demon cast out of my son. Lord, I need these seizures that these demons are causing to stop. Lord, I I need his health restored. Lord, unstop his ears because the Lord said it was not just a dumb spirit but a deaf spirit. Loosen his tongue that he might speak again. Restore the relationship I had with my boy before this demon possessed him. And and on and on he might go and and talk about his family. Uh, Bless his poor mother who has had to be afflicted with this all of her life. And and bless me and help his siblings. and, And would you bring peace to our home? And maybe there's a laundry list that he might give. But he says this, if thou canst do anything, Lord, since you have power, here's what I need. I need compassion. I need compassion, and I need help. Sometimes I think we give the Lord a laundry list of all the things we need, all the things we think will fix our lives. When the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Spirit searcheth our hearts, for we really really don't know how we ought to pray, do we? But he maketh intercession according to the will of God. God, all I need is your compassion. I just need your help. What will you do? Here's the interesting thing. Sometimes the answer God gives is not the answer we think he should give. The answer we are looking for is not always what is best for us. Because just like it says in Romans 8, the Spirit searcheth our hearts and he makes intercession for us and he prays According to the will of the Father, he knows. That's kind of the phrase I tripped over this morning. I said to my wife, of all the things this man could have asked for, he said, Lord, if you can do anything, here's what I want. Can you imagine today, we joke around about maybe a genie in a bottle or something, and if some genie were to grant you three wishes, what would you ask for? If the Lord Jesus Christ were to come and say, I'll give you anything you want, what would you have? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you would ask for a loved one that's gone to heaven to come back? By the way, don't be so cruel if you get that opportunity. They're fine right where they are. They'd be angry at you. One time when Brendan was about eight years old, we, I was preaching on Jesus raising Lazarus from the grave, and, and Brendan came to me and says, Dad, how come Lazarus wasn't mad when he came back? If to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, why, why wouldn't he get mad when he came back? He says, why would you want to come back here? I said, man, that's a good question. That was all my answer was, because I really don't know. 
Don't wish them back. Would you ask for your health? Perhaps some of you say, I just like, I just like to live until I die. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have good health? Dr. Sisk has told me several times, he says, I'm just my prayer every day. Lord, let me live until I die. Let me keep preaching. Let me, let me keep being useful. Let me, but if, I, if that stops, take me home. And maybe that would be your prayer. Lord, just give me my health back just long enough till that day I go home. Boy, we, we, we don't want to limp to the finish line, do we? Perhaps some of us would selfishly ask for riches or Maybe some would just say, I, I just need to get out of this hole. I'm hurting, I'm financially behind, and I, I struggle with poverty. And, and we lay all those burdens upon the Lord, but this man just said, Lord, I need compassion. Could have asked for anything. Lord, would you just love on me? He who was love. It was the very characteristic of Christ to show love. For God so loved, he sent Jesus. The very best manifestation of the love of God was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He came to love us. And the man says, would you just love on me? Well, of course I will. But what else do you need? No, no. Just love me and help us however you see fit. Boy, that stirred my conscience this morning. I wonder how many times I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, give me this or give me that. Lord, here's what I need. And the Lord says, no, no, what your greatest need is to be forgiven of your sin, to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. You need compassion and the help that only the Lord can give you. The man asked for compassion. I believe it was a revelation. It reveals the need of mankind. So I look at a world today and the mess that we're in, and I, and I know I've been kind of preaching on that a little bit lately. The mess this world is in. And we get angry. I, I get angry. I, I just want you to know I quit watching the news. My wife said, you haven't watched the news much in the morning anymore. I've been putting on choir music in the mornings. I, I used to get up and have a bowl of oatmeal and watch the news. And I just, it, it just turns my stomach anymore. I get angry. I quit watching the Blue Jays. I quit the Maple Leafs years ago, but I quit the Blue Jays. And you know, I love baseball. I love watching sports. I love watching baseball. But I was so disgusted about the agenda. And I get angry and I, and I chime in sometimes. I, I hear other preachers and other Christians say, well, this is, this is grotesque and this has to stop and this is, and, and, and I get it and I agree with it 100%. But would to God my heart would say, what they need is Christ. What they need is compassion. What they need is the help of the Lord. I remember a story in the Bible about a woman taken in adultery. By the way, in order to catch a woman in adultery, you had to catch the man too. But he was nowhere to be found. And those Pharisees brought him and cast, him at the feet of Je cast her at the feet of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He forgave her. 
He showed her compassion. Did he excuse her sin? He said, no, go thy way and sin no more. Don't carry on in this behavior. But these men have no right to condemn you and neither do I. Because they're all just sinners too. By the way, the only one that could condemn her was the one that was writing in the sand and forgave her of her sins. Compassion. Oh, but she deserved hell. So do I. And so do you. What they need is compassion. I feel like with what's going on in our world today, any difference I could make publicly would be charging hell with a squirt gun. But if we can preach to them a Savior that loves them, a Jesus who can save their soul, can wash away their sins and they can become new creatures in Christ, friend, I believe with all my heart that is the only hope of our society. And I think this man knew it. Lord, I don't know what you're about to do, but would you just have compassion? Would you just love? Would you just help? He didn't add any tags to it or how he thought he should help. He said, just show compassion. I think it reveals the need of mankind that only Jesus can make a difference. But not only do we see a revelation, we see a reminder. It reminds us of the mission of the saved. What is our mission? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I like how Jude puts it. Saving some with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Reaching out to a lost and dying world and telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation. In the case you don't know what that is, 1 Corinthians 15 says that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to our scriptures. But don't you even worry about being buried and rose again until you get this in your mind. He died for our sins. Because until we acknowledge we're a sinner and lost and that the wages of sin is death, we won't care a bit about a Savior who died. But we're all lost in need of a Savior. And he paid the price for our sins. So what did he ask? He asked for compassion. It's a revelation that that's what mankind needs. It's a reminder that's what we are to show to a lost and dying world is the only hope for mankind. God forbid that we preach against sin without offering a Savior. Listen, I'm, I believe we ought to preach against sin. I really believe that. Without knowledge of sin, there, there is no penalty. There is no knowledge. And, and people will be just going along their merry way without knowing they're on their way to hell. You say, oh, it's, it's not loving to preach against sin. It's not loving. The Bible says they're condemned already. They're lost. And it's unloving to leave them in that condition without at least knowing about a Savior that can pluck them from their pathway to hell. But let me give you a third thing. I said what he acknowledged, 
he being the father, what he asked, he being the father. Here's the third thing, what he answered, he being Christ. Notice how he answered him in verse 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. How did he answer him? Have faith. Just believe. I kind of like the the style of the Lord's answer. The man says, if thou canst do anything, and the man said, Jesus said to him, if you can believe. It sounds almost the very same way of phrasing things. If thou can do anything, and Jesus says, if thou can believe, I sure can. If you can believe, anything is possible. Have faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we are reminded, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Notice a couple things about this faith. First of all, we see the hope of faith. If thou canst believe, where is your hope? Where is your faith? It's by believing in Jesus. We believe in a lot of things today, don't we? We have these things in our heart that say, well, I'm just going to believe that or I trust that and all kinds of things. Information is just so scattered today and there's so many more sources. They said that, I was reading a statistic the other day that when television first came online, all we had before that were newspapers. And for the most part, you got a local newspaper and that was it. And sometimes the news that was in that local newspaper was three or four days old because it would have to be telegraphed and written out and and then they would pass it on in that way. And then TV came on and they said when TV first came on, there was only two news networks in all of North America. You had two sources. Do you know how many news networks you can get today if you have cable or satellite and all the rest? Worldwide, there's over 33,000 outlets of news. How many do you suppose are on the internet? Nobody knows. They said they cannot count them all. Millions of people spreading information. What do you believe? Can I encourage you? Believe Jesus. Get your eyes back on him. I think about this man bringing this child and he went to one disciple after another and he said, could you help? And Peter tried and nothing happened and could you help? And Andrew tried and can you help? And Jude tried and Judas tried and Thaddeus and on and on they all tried and they all failed. How many of you think you get discouraged after 12 different church people tried to help you? 12 different people in this room said, let, let me help you. Brother Adam, I got, I got something I can, we, we can fix this problem. And 12 tried. Our hope is not in any man, it's only in Jesus. If thou believe, if thou believe, we see the hope of faith, but we also see the help of faith. If thou canst believe, look what he says next, all things are possible. Wow, isn't that something? Ever since the Tower of Babel, man's been trying how to figure out how to get to heaven. You know what the answer is? If thou believe, all things are possible. Trust in Jesus.
Man has forever been trying to find the cure for this disease or that disease. Do you know what the answer is? Believe in Jesus. Trust in him. Here's what I know. If I go to the doctor tomorrow and find out I have terminal cancer and in four weeks I am gone from this earthly soil, I will still live eternally because of Jesus. He is the cure. And two million, three million, four million years from now, I'll look back on this 51 years and say, life was but a vapor. It didn't really matter all that much except for this one single thing. Did I believe in Jesus? Did I have faith? Notice what he answered, being Jesus Christ. Then we go back to the man in verse 24, and we see what he accepted. What he accepted. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. He made a declaration. Lord, I believe. And then he, made a de- he showed his dependence. Help thou my unbelief. God help me. Lord, I believe that you can do this, but if there's any, any little square in my heart, a little corner somewhere that, that shows that I don't believe, would you help it? Would you wipe it away? Would you help me to put my faith in you 100%? And so what he is saying is I accept 100% what you can do for me. I'm just gonna lay it all down. I need compassion and I need help and I'm gonna trust in you no matter what that means. Wouldn't it have been interesting if the Lord did what he does next and calls out this demon, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. What if the chapter ended there? (laughs) Can you imagine? What if the chapter ended there? Do you know Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrew, had faith that if he took his son Isaac's life on that mountain, that God could still raise him up from the dead? What if the chapter ended there? Do we believe God enough? Do we trust him enough to say, God, have compassion and help, but if that means you take him home, I'm going to trust you anyway. It's easy to trust God when we get the answers we seek. But when the answer doesn't always sound like how we want it to, are we still going to trust him? Notice what he accepted. He threw himself on the mercy of Christ. You know, as children of God, we observe society crumbling all around us, don't we? Somebody say amen. Am I the only one? (laughs) We see society just falling apart. And as we see it falling apart, we desperately want change. I'm not saying there's not a time where we don't stand and we don't vocalize what we believe as citizens. I saw something just yesterday encouraging. I, a matter of fact, there was an unorganized parade, gay pride parade, or 
it's not even Gay Pride anymore, just Pride Parade for all the different things going on and in Ottawa. And it was on a, kind of wasn't on the main street, it was kind of down a side street. And they purposely wanted to march past a day school, elementary school. And so people in the community heard of it and hundreds of Muslims and Christians showed up and they stood shoulder to shoulder in front of that school and they said, you're not passing in front of our school. You can go another way. We're not going to fight you. We're not going to hinder you, but you're not going to influence our children today. There is a time where we must stand. There's no doubt about it. And be vocal about sin, but we must always offer them a savior. Jesus Christ, who died to pay the price for those sins. There's so much we want to do to see change, but that change can only come through Jesus. We can bemoan the ills of society, or we can cry out to the Savior. And that's what this man did. I don't believe he was embarrassing the disciples. He was just sharing the facts. I, I've gone to all the disciples and I've tried. I, I didn't really want to bother you, Lord, but they, they just couldn't cast them out. And so now I'm, I'm here and I want to, and Jesus looked at the disciples and said, oh, faithless generation. I don't think that was the man's intent. But through that process, the man realized, I must go to Jesus. I must get there. Psalm chapter 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And what is our mission? Friends, we cannot fix society, but we can preach Jesus. Our mission is the gospel, and the gospel can fix society. If you don't believe that today, I don't know how we could possibly be saved. I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm just saying this. If you do not believe the gospel has the power to change your life, how did you ever get saved in the first place? Because he made you a new creature in Christ. He said, well, I was never that sinful. I was never that wicked. In Revelation chapter 20, we read a list of people cast in lake of fire. Rapists, adulterers, murderers, fornicators, on and on. And right in the middle it says, liars. Liars. Really? I tell a lie? And I'm on my way to hell? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't just pick and choose. We all need a Savior. And his name is Jesus. Father, we love you. Speak to our hearts today. Lord, it burned my heart to see the statement of this man that knowing that Jesus Christ had all power in the world, he just simply said, Lord, have compassion on me. Show me love. That's what the world wants and that's what they need. Sometimes the best way we express love is telling the truth. So help us never to shy away from the preaching against sin. But let us always tell them there's a Savior. Help us to have that balance, we pray. So, Father, we thank you and praise you. Speak to our hearts during this invitation hour. Maybe there'd be some that would come and pray for our nation today. Help us, we pray. Show compassion on us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.